How many of you believe God can use the word to bless you? We've been in the midst of a series of messages on the tabernacle. And today we were to have done our second message on the lamp stand, the candlestick stand and share in that area. But we're going to turn away from the tabernacle for a day so that I can preach about Paul's prayer agenda for fathers. Would you say that after me, please? Paul's prayer agenda for fathers. Colossians chapter 1 verse 3. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of truth in the gospel. Verse 9, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you may have a walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Dear Lord, bless this word and bless our hearts and minds as we receive it. Pray especially for the fathers who are here on today. But dear Lord, as you share with the fathers, I pray that every man, woman, boy, girl in the house of the Lord today will be blessed by your word. That we'll get on your agenda and go all the way to blessing and miracles. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Please be seated. One of the great stock brokerage firms in our nation proclaimed that when its brokers speak, people listen to what they say. And by this they imply that their advice is so good and their expertise is so great that people are clamoring to hear and receive their, their advice. That so many desire to have their counsel. And there's a great hunger and a great need for expert advice today. And everybody wants to give advice. Abject failures are clamoring to tell you how to succeed. Advice is everywhere available. And much of it is bad advice. But real good advice is hard to find. This is especially true in the important areas of life. Sometimes advice is very expensive. 
There can be no more important advice, no more relevant or essential advice than that which relates to God and to eternal life. In that area, the best advice comes from the Word of God. It's so important that we read the Bible and understand those things that the Lord communicates and conveys to us. In the Bible today, we're privileged to listen into or to read a letter written in the Bible by the Apostle Paul to the church at Colossae. The Colossian church was at that time a relatively young church. It had been founded and established by a minister over whom Paul had served as bishop. That minister's name was Epaphras. And he brought to Paul a report regarding the Colossian church and regarding the circumstances that they confronted. And Paul's response to the report of Epaphras indicates that the Colossian church had been caught doing good. Tell your neighbor, it's great to be caught doing good. Isn't it great when rumors that are good are out about you rather than rumors that are bad? Isn't it great when people have received good news about you rather than bad news? Paul said in Colossians 1:3, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since he heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, of your love for all the saints, because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven, of what you heard before in the word of truth in the gospel. Paul said, I heard about your faith. I heard about your love. I heard about the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. And I was so happy, I was so glad to have heard about your faith, your love, and your hope. Faith, love, and hope are the three principal Christian graces. In 1 Corinthians 13 and 13, the Bible says, Now abideth faith, now abideth love. Now abideth hope. Keep your faith intact. Keep your love intact. Keep your hope intact. Those three graces can take you all the way to heaven. Paul, when he heard the report, says that he started praying diligently for the Colossian church. He said, I do not cease to pray for you. That's wonderful, but it seems a bit strange. Here are a group of people that are doing pretty good. Why would Paul feel that he needed to really pray intensely for them? Why would he write such a long letter to a bunch of folk that were doing real good? Well, first he wrote to them and prayed for them because they were young believers. They were a new church. They had made a good start but going on was going to be the challenge. So many people make a good start at the altar. They come forth. They accept the Lord Jesus as Savior. They make a good start. But somewhere along the way, they began to slow down and retrogress and lose their momentum. But listen, if you made a good start, Paul said, you're the kind of person that I'm praying for because it's not enough to make a good start. You've got to keep on going. Second, Paul prayed for them 
Because it is those who are doing good that the devil attacks and that the world hates. If you're not having a run-in with the devil, maybe it's because you're going in his direction. But if you're trying to do good, the devil is going to attack you. Are you all awake in here? Thirdly, Paul said, I'm praying for you because it's important that those who are living good do better and go higher. Time should enable us to improve. Look toward your neighbor and say, time ought to enable us to improve. Missionaries in my dad's church way back used to slap their thighs and say, higher, higher, higher. I thought they were speaking in tongues. But they were saying, higher. Every day I want to go higher. That's the way it ought to be for every believer. Every day we ought to want to go higher and do better and accomplish more to the glory of our Lord. There's somebody in here who wants to go higher. If I'm talking about you, clap your hands and praise God. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm upward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. If you've started off for Jesus, every day God wants you to go higher. Look at your neighbor and say higher. 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 Fourthly, Paul prayed for them because success imposes responsibility. The more God does for you, the more God expects from you. And how many of you just have to testify, God's been good to me? If God's been good to you, God expects more from you. I said, if God has been good to you, God expects more from you. And Paul said, listen, I'm praying because I don't want you to relinquish or to abdicate your responsibility. I want you to do what God has enabled you to do. The higher God takes you, the more effectively you can work for him and serve him. Clap your hands and give praise to God. Now, there are many people who will help you when you are down. There are many people who will come running in when you are in trouble, crying and singing the blues. But listen, when you are succeeding, it takes a strong, secure person to help you and not get jealous of you. Amen. Sometimes the reason they're hanging around is so they can hear your bad story and then tell it all over town. They're not hanging around to help you or to counsel you. They're just trying to get the best news. So five minutes after you walk away, they're on the phone. Hey, honey, let me tell you what so-and-so just told me. He is in trouble. She's in a mess. She is in trouble. And listen, we got to pray for her. But they're not talking about praying for them to lift them. They're just saying that this is the way I couch my gossip. We got to pray for you. Are you all awake here? Please don't. Please don't go to sleep on me today. Mm -hmm. And so Paul said, I'm not mad at you. I'm glad about it. I'm praising God. This is what I've dedicated and committed my life to you. I rejoice and I'm praying that God will take you even higher. I'm praying for you. And Paul indicates what he considers to be the most important areas of spiritual development by giving them his agenda for their blessing. 
And today, God blesses us to give that same agenda to the men, to the fathers who are in the house. Tell fathers we're talking about you today. Many consider the Apostle Paul to be the greatest preacher, not only of his time, but of all time, except for Jesus Christ. Only Jesus Christ exceeds the Apostle Paul in insight and ability in sharing the word and the truth of the, of the Almighty God. Paul was highly anointed. He was enabled by God to share the truth. And if Paul felt that those things for which he prayed were what those people in that time needed, then truly those were the things that they needed. And if they needed them, we need to have them also on our agenda. We need to have those things for which Paul prayed to operate in our lives. And so listen very carefully. First item on Paul's prayer agenda was this, Colossians 1.9, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Look toward your neighbor and say point number one. God wants you to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul said, I want you to be made complete in knowledge, adequate in knowledge. I want you to be filled. And listen, when something is filled, there's no room for anything else. And when we are filled with the truth, there's no room for error. Paul did just not pray for knowledge, but he prayed for divine knowledge. And not just divine knowledge in general, but specifically knowledge of the will of God. Jesus said, you err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Thus, if we know the scriptures, and we know the God of power, we are protected from error. We are protected from making mistakes. And listen, you've got to know and have knowledge of God, to have knowledge of the will of God. And you don't know a person merely because you nod at the person on the street. Stay around that person. Live in the same house with that person. Share the trouble and sorrow of close fellowship with that individual. And then you will know that individual. You're just beginning to know God when you come down to the altar and accept him. Just beginning to know God when you make a start with him. But we should go on and on and know more and more about God. And the more we know, the more effectively we'll be able to live. The priorities of so, many, of so many people are confused. They want the knowledge of God so they can prosper. Knowledge of God so they can have health. Knowledge of God so that they can succeed, so that they can obtain miracles. But it's not getting knowledge of God so we can get what we want and do what we want to do. It's getting knowledge of God so that we can know his will and bring glory to the name of our almighty God. And 1 Thessalonians 4 and 3 says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. And so this knowledge is to be refined by wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul said, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Are you all still with me? Yes. Knowledge can, to a degree, come by study. It can come by concentration. But wisdom and spiritual understanding come by prayer by spending time in the presence with God and having an experience of the Lord himself. 
Wisdom is practical knowledge. The ability to conduct your affairs wisely, to make wise decisions and wise choices. And there are so many people who make a mess of their lives. But if you are living for the Lord, if you love God, if you are saved, your life ought to be better than the lives of other people. You should not make so many mistakes and fall into so much error. And if you are saved, if you're living for the Lord and your life is a mess, you need to go back to God and do what James 1 and 5 says. James 1 and 5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. Listen, when you go to God, seek God's will. Ask God for his plan for your life. Tell God, listen, I, I feel weak in this area, but I need you to enlighten my mind, my heart. Tell me which way to go. Listen, a dumb question is better uh, than a dumb mistake. Are you hearing me? And if you lack wisdom, Paul said, go to God. Or James said, go to God, and God will give you that wisdom. Spiritual understanding is an inward capacity to discern, comprehend the will, the plan, and the working of God in your life. Ephesians 5, 17 says, Therefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine. That's good advice. Tell your neighbor, that's good advice. Wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And then John 14 and 26, I love this. But the Comforter, who is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send, he shall teach you all things. That's why you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why you need the power of God. That's why you need a relationship with God is that the Holy Ghost can teach you and enlighten you about areas that you never with your natural mind can even begin to fathom. How many of you know the Lord can guide you? He can lead you. He can teach you. He can let, when you are prayerful and filled with the Spirit of God, the Lord will direct you and guide you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. I have been in situations where the Lord said, you just came out, but I want you to go back, and I want you to go to such and such a place, and for some reason I'd get out of the car, go back in the church, or go back in the room, and when I went back in, the Lord had already set it up for me to have what I needed to say, what I needed to accomplish in that meeting, in that situation. The Lord is able to guide you and direct you. We don't have the wisdom within ourselves, but God can enlighten you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. God, what's your will for my family? What's your will for my house? What's your will for my finances? What is your will for my life? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to deal with that situation? And God has a way of showing up and guiding his people in his way. Lift your hand and say, Lord, guide me in Jesus' name. Then the second item of Paul's agenda is found in Colossians 1.10. It says that you might walk worthy of the Lord in all pleasing. Hallelujah. Paul's first question when he met the Lord was, Lord, what would you have me to do? That's not the style of many of us. When we come to the Lord, we say, Lord, this is what I want you to do. But no, God wants you to do his will and walk in his way. And our response ought always to be, Lord, what would you have me to do? What's your plan for my life? 
what's your plan for my family? And Paul prayed that their outward lives would bring credit to the name of Jesus Christ, that they would live lives that were in accord with and becoming to the life and what the things that God has done in our lives. Walk worthy of this calling. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. That's the will of God for every believer. If you say you are a Christian, if you say you love Jesus Christ, your life ought to be clean. You ought to let Jesus cleanse your life, and once he's cleansed you, you ought to walk in that holiness and righteousness that the Lord has given to you, and this is the responsibility of every believer. If you love Jesus, your life ought to reflect the life of Jesus Christ. Your life ought to conform to the will of Christ. And Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, if you don't clap on this, I think you're not doing it. So you ought to clap your hands and praise God. Children of the king ought to be royal in their behavior. And so that's point number two. Point number three on Paul's agenda was that we should be fruitful in every good work. Paul wanted them to bear fruit in active goodness, fruitful in obedience, fruitful in zeal, fruitful in charity, fruitful in their testimony, fruitful in piety. One man has said, don't just try to be fruitful in big, impressive things, but in small things. He says, the Lord Jesus, if he were here, would gladly do a thousand things that his poor little servants are too great to do. Things that we would not even think about doing. Jesus, if he were here, he'd be busy doing those things. There was a corporal during the War of Independence, the Revolutionary War, who was ordering his men around as they fruitfully struggled to move some fallen trees out of the road so that people could pass. A general came by and said to the corporal, listen, if you help them out, they can finish all the more quickly. The corporal said to the general, how, sir, would I even think of such a thing? Uh, you know, I'm a corporal. They are privates. I give the order. They do the work. With that, the general got down off his horse and helped the men who were moving the trees out of the way. And with his help, they were able to complete the task. And then the general looked at the corporal and said, listen, the next time you need a man to do work such as this, you can send for me. I'm General George Washington. He was to become the president of the nation, but he was humble enough to understand that he was to be fruitful and productive, and he would not stand by while others were working, but unlike the corporal, he got down in the street and worked with them. God needs servants who will do whatever needs to be done. Come on, tell your neighbor, God needs servants who will do whatever needs to be done. Listen, no task is too lowly, too small, too insignificant if you really love God. If you love God, you'll do anything that can advance the kingdom of God and bring glory unto the Lord your God. Let's give glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are so many who will do only their specialty. They'll do only certain kinds of good works. But God needs general servants who will do anything. 
And listen, the fact that you don't commit overt sins does not mean you're doing good work. Doing good is more than not doing wrong. Tell your neighbor, doing good is more than not doing wrong. Doing good is doing good. And God wants some folk who are fruitful. God wants some folk who will increase in the knowledge of God. See, there's the knowledge of God that you can only receive working for God. You can't receive it in the prayer room. You can't receive it just reading the Bible, but you've got to get up, roll up your sleeves, and in the midst of your work for God, in the midst of all you do for God, then God will show up in a way like he's never shown up before. Hallelujah. The Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are the called according to his purpose. If you get involved in the purpose of God, if you start working for God, God will start working for you. Come on, tell somebody if you work for God, God will work for you. Thank you very much. Let's give this musician a rousing applause. Hallelujah. Come on, say hallelujah. That was the fourth item on God's agenda. Hallelujah. For us. And was that they should be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Tell your neighbor, God wants you to be strong according to his power. God wants you to be strengthened with all might. See, there's a wear and tear of life that has a way of weakening the believer. We need to be strengthened because we are constantly being drained. Tell your neighbor we need to be strengthened because we are constantly being drained. Paul said, let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And that informs me that it's possible to grow tired and to grow weary while you're working for God. Our strength has a way of waning away, but God's power is always with us and always available to us. And when I think of his power, I think that Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth. He died for the sins of the world. He suffered on a cross, nails in his hands, nails in his feet. He died on that cross. He was buried in a borrowed grave. But Jesus, on the third day morning, got up from the grave with all power in the palm of his hand, said, I am he that was dead, and I am alive forevermore. Tell your neighbor he was dead, but he's alive, he's alive, he's alive forevermore. Come on, give God praise. Hallelujah. But I want to say to you, if Jesus could conquer death, there's nothing that he cannot do in your life. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, if Jesus could conquer death, there's nothing that he cannot do in your life. Come on, praise God, because nothing, 
Nothing, nothing is impossible. You can be strengthened in the inner man. The Bible says you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Men, your life can be lives of power. You can have the might of God and the power of the resurrection at work in your life. You're not by yourself. The Holy Ghost can be in you and give you power. I've got power that you can't see. God is living inside me. I can fight any enemy for God and me are majority. The world can stand against you. The devil may come against you, but Jesus said, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Power to tread on serpents and on scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Tell your neighbor, if you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got the power. Power to overcome the enemy. Power to walk in the might of God. And I just come by to tell you, the Holy Ghost is in the room right now. The Holy Ghost is here to fill, here to give you power. Lord, fill us again with your power. Lord, send the anointing in the room. The power that causes us to overcome the power of the resurrection. Resurrection power. Come on, praise him. Come on, praise him. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Raise your hand and I say I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all. Look at your name and say exceedingly, abundantly, above all. There's the realm of the natural, of the material. We can operate in that realm if we want to, but soon we come to the impossible. When you face the impossible, you better move on up a little higher to the realm of the spiritual, for the I am God who can burn all day and not run out of fuel. The I am God that flung the stars against the blackness of the night. The I am God that put the sun and the moon on high. And with God, all things are possible. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, you can have the power. I don't know about you, but I'm praying, Lord, Fill me with your power. Strengthen me to do your will. And God has a way of showing up. Come on, tell somebody God. Tell somebody God has a way of showing up. Number five on Paul's prayer agenda was that they might develop patience and long-suffering with joy. Patience, that's endurance. Long-suffering, that's the ability to take the worst that the devil has to offer and keep on going in the name of Jesus. And then to do it with joy is to be able to step back and say, the devil can't take my joy. I've got joy in the midst of trial, in the midst of hardship. Yes, 
I heard the Apostle Paul say, but you, beloved, the Apostle Jew, say, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, pray in the Holy Ghost. And now unto him that is able, he's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. You can go through the worst that the devil has to offer and come out on the other side still shouting, still praising God, giving glory to God. Yes, raise your hand and say yes. Oh, yes. Oh, bless his name. I'm ready to stop, but that brings me to number six. He said, I want you to do so, giving thanks to the Father in heaven. Thanksgiving is God's will for your life. If you are a father and you are here, that means God has kept you around on this earth. Your life could have been snatched away. You've been in situations where you thought you were going to die, but God brought you out, and you ought to give God thanks. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, God brought you out, and you ought to give the Lord thanks and praise. It was God that brought you safe thus far. It was God that stepped in when other folks stepped out. You ought to praise him if you're a father. God has blessed you with children. God has been good to you. You've experienced the best of life. You ought to give God thanks. Thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that you've been good. Thank you. Lift your hand and say thank you. I can't thank God enough. I can't praise him enough. If I were all able to have the tongue of thousands, if the sky were a scroll that men could write on, and if every man were a scribe by trade, if all the oceans of the earth were filled with ink, and every stalk on earth were a pen to write, to write the love of God would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, those stretched from sky to sky. God is so good, we can't write about it, we can't talk about it. If we had a thousand tongues, he's better than we could ever describe. Lift your hand and say thank you for life you've given. Thank you for my past. I look back over my shoulder and see where God has brought me from. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, the Lord has brought me from a mighty long way. He's so good. So good. Raise your hand and say, so good. Yes. What he's done in the past is amazing. What he's doing right now. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, I'm a right now miracle. And I've got to praise him. I've got to bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me, bless, bless his holy name. But I'm not worried about the future. I'm not worried about tomorrow. As a matter of fact, when I think about the future, I give God advanced praise because I see me 
in the future. And I look much better than I look right now. Shout much better. Praise much better. Worship much better. God is not through with me yet. So I give God advance praise. Don't wait until the battle is over. Shout, praise Him, glorify Him right now, right now. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Tell somebody He's so good, so good. He's so good. Come on, you ain't telling them. Tell them He's so good. I've got to praise Him. Stand up, give glory, give glory. Give glory. Yes. 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 You ought to be ashamed of yourself. I said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You were sitting before the television. Last week, those basketball players were running around and shooting the ball. And you were jumping up, looking at television, yelling, looking at television. They don't even know you're out there. They can't hear you. They can't see you. But you are opening your mouth and yelling at the top of your voice in some kind of room, looking at television. If you can do that about a basketball game, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. The Lord has done great things for us. I'm going to praise him more than the basketball. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to bless him. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, you ought to praise it. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, you ought to praise it. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, you ought to praise him. Look him in the eye and say, neighbor, God's been good to you. You ought to praise him. of Jesus and all he's done for me my soul has just got to cry out I can't hold my peace just like fire shut up in my bones I'm not gonna let nobody go to a basketball game I look at a basketball game and praise them more than I praise you God you've been good Everybody look over your shoulder, look over your shoulder, look back, now tell your neighbor, the Lord has brought me from a mighty long way, I've got to thank him, I've got to praise him, bless the Lord, all my soul, all that is within me, bless him, bless him, bless him. 
you're praying. I'm praying that you'll be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I'm praying that you'll walk worthy of the Lord. Tell your neighbor, walk worthy of the Lord. Being fruitful in every good work. Tell your neighbor, God wants you to be fruitful and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might. Tell your neighbor, God wants you to have the power that you'll have endurance and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father. Come on, let's give him thanks one more time. It's been moved and second that the agenda be adopted. Are you ready for the question? All in favor of adopting this agenda, I know you're about the sign of I. If you oppose, nay. The eyes have it and the motion is passed. We've got an agenda for God. Come on, clap your hands. And give him praise. Clap your hands and give him praise. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, bless the men, bless the men. Bless the fathers who are here today. You've blessed us, dear Lord, to reproduce and to bring forth offspring. We leave the world richer than it was when we came into it. Now, God, take us and make us everything that we can become. Let us have your knowledge. Let us walk in your way and do your will. Let us bring glory to your name. Let us live fruitful and productive lives always giving you praise and being filled with your joy in the name of Jesus. Bless every man, 
under the sound of my voice. Let that brother know how great you can make his life. Let him know that you have a purpose for him. Let him walk in your purpose. Let lives be transformed and the world be a better place because this father, this man is in the world. Thank you, dear God, that you can take nobodies and make them somebodies. You can take the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and the weak things to confound the things that are mighty and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. But we want to give you glory and thank you, dear Lord, that you have a purpose for our lives. Men tell two men God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose. God has a purpose. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. From the bottom of my heart and the depth of my soul, yes, Lord, completely my soul. Come on, sing it one more time. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Some woman, some boy, some girl needs to say yes to God. God is the God that raised Jesus from the dead. He did the impossible. God wants to do the impossible in your life. The world has never been the same since Jesus came to this earth. God wants to use you to bring glory to his name, to give your life not only purpose, but to give your life success and meaning, you can have the abundant life for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. If you're here today and you say, Preacher, pray for me. I know my life should be more than it is. That my life should have meaning and purpose. And I feel the call of God toward purpose and accomplishment and fruitfulness for my life. Pray for me. If that's you, lift that hand and submit to the purpose of God. Say, God, whatever you want to do with my life, you can use me. I give my life to you today. If that's you, raise that hand. Hold it high. Man, woman, boy, girl, if you want God to use you for something great, lift that hand quickly. Lift that hand quickly. I'm not going to take a long time doing this, but your life could be revolutionized in the next few moments, if you'd accept the power, the might of God to take you into the future by the power of Almighty God. Preacher, pray for me. I want to be saved. I want my sins forgiven. I want Jesus to be my Lord. If that's you, raise that hand. I'll pray for you right where you stand, right where you are, in the name of the Lord. Lift that hand, dear Lord. I pray for every man, woman, boy, girl in this room. Bless their lives. 
draw them more closely to you. Fulfill your purpose in their lives. Forgive their sin. Set them free. Let them come to know you and be saved and forgiven by you. In Jesus' name, thank God. Amen. Lift your hand and pray this prayer after me. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done. I want to be saved. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. And I thank you, Lord. I am saved. I am forgiven. I have new life. Clap your hands and give praise to the Lord.